Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. I, I am glad to be here this morning. I love worshiping with you. I, I'm going to really jump into the message right away because I feel like the Lord's really put something in my heart. Thank you, Carl. Um, for us this morning. And uh, so I, I want us to really position ourselves for what I feel like the Lord's going to say and do this morning, because I believe it's the invitation of the Lord. Um, and and I, I say, I, I believe this is for us because I, I believe, of course, I'm included. I just get to be the messenger this morning. And, um, but I, for me, I want his kingdom. I, meaning this, I want his thing. I want his plans, his agenda, his ideas, his thoughts. I, I, I can tell you this is that you would much rather the Lord's ideas and plans than mine. Okay. And um, I, I, I honestly, I don't have any because I've given them up for his. And, uh, and I just want to live there. And I can tell you this, his plans and ideas are so good. They, they, the, here's the, the, awesome thing about God's plans and his kingdom is many, many times we don't understand it, but it's good. Here's the thing is like in his kingdom, there are going to be things that he chooses to do that will challenge your understanding because he wants to have your heart. Okay. So Here's the deal is that you can expect when your life begins to line up with God's kingdom and you actually receive his kingdom is that you're actually receiving a kingdom in which you aren't going to be able to walk by sight. You're not gonna be able to walk simply by understanding unless he gives it to you. And that is the adventurous life that the Lord has called humanity to live. But I believe a lot of times Many times and most times, we trade in that life for what we can see and what makes sense to us. That's why Jesus came and he demonstrated the kingdom and everything he did didn't make sense to his disciples. It blew their minds. They thought, well, Jesus, how are we gonna do that? And he said, we're gonna see what's on the Father's heart and he's got a solution, right? And so today, I want to talk to you about the lordship of Jesus. And now I need, to, I need to say this to preface it. The foundation of God's authority is love and truth. He's good. He's faithful. He's kind. That's the foundation of who he is, is that he is good. Okay? Um, but in relationship with him. He leads us as a father and he leads us as a Lord. And there, yes, there is these times of discipline and correction, but it's never with a heavy hand. The Lord's discipline is like this. It's this picture of you're looking at the wrong thing and he, his gentle hand comes to your face and he points your face in the right direction to see the right thing. That's the Lord's discipline. It's not a slap. It's a, let me change what you're looking at. Isn't that good? And so, um, so I need to say that the foundation of his authority and his government is love and truth and kindness. And, um, 
And, and, but I feel like the, that Jesus wants to reveal himself to you and me as Lord in a new, fresh way. Let me say this, every other revelation of who God is as father, as savior, as king, as lover, all of that, I believe, comes on, um, on the other side of knowing him and making him Lord in your life. Because his lordship means that you have fully submitted your life to him. Um, I'm gonna just tell the guys in the back. So I've got sermon notes, but we're just gonna, I'm holding this loosely before the Lord because I believe this is his word today. Okay, so we're just, can, can, how many of you guys are willing to say, Lord, whatever you wanna say, however you wanna say it, in whatever order you wanna say it. Okay, y'all good? We're good with that? Okay, it's gonna be good. All right. Let me do this then. I'm gonna start in, how many of you have your Bibles today or however you read your Bible? I think it's important. If you've, got a, if you've got a Bible, bring it. And if you have a cell phone, you've got a Bible. You might just need to download the app. And so 2 Corinthians chapter three, starting in verse, verse 14 says this. And this is talking about, just to, to kind of preface, preface this verse, um, this is talking about the children of Israel who, um, who, when the Lord delivered them from Egypt and brought them, was trying to bring them to the promised land, but their hearts were hardened and they walked in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, he says this, he says, their minds were closed and hardened for even to this day, that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. So he's talking about the law, okay? Um, the veil has not yet been lifted from them for it is now only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So he's say, saying this, the only way that you actually see clearly in your life and you can see God's intent is whenever you are joined to Jesus, when he is the Lord of your life, okay? So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now, the Lord, everybody say Lord, Lord. I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead, right? And wherever he is Lord, so wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. You could say it like this, the Holy Spirit is Lord, and wherever he is made Lord in our lives, there is freedom. So he is Lord. There's no dispute. He is Lord. But he will never force his lordship on you. You actually have to, make, you actually have to give him that place. So what is the culture of his lordship? Freedom. So let me say this is wherever he isn't Lord in your life, the only other option is bondage. And so I want you to imagine this is that aren't there, multi, there, there are pieces of our lives, right? You would say that some of us, we kind of look at our lives and we say, well, there's my family. And even within the family, I've got my marriage, I've got my kids. And then I've got a job, right? And within my job, I've got this. And then I've got these friendships. And I've got these different parts of my lives. And then I can begin to look inside into the internal part of my life. What I believe, my past, my present, what, what's happening with my future, my destiny, my identity, all these things, all these pieces of my life that I actually have to make him Lord. Right? 
Many times we want him to be Lord of our present and we haven't made him Lord of our past. We still carry the offense and the wounds. And I'm saying that those are all real things, but have you made him Lord? Because if he isn't Lord, it means you're carrying it and it means that you're responsible for it. Him being Lord means that you've given him responsibility. And if wherever he's responsible, he administers freedom. So maybe... I know we're all still, we're, we're all in the process of working through our stuff, right? We all have stuff in our lives. We're people, we're human. But I can tell you this, if it's this thing where you feel like you're going through the same cycle and the same thing and there's no freedom, it might be that you are still Lord of that place in your life. And that you have not given him the reins as the Lord to come and administer freedom. Okay? <laughs> We're good, so we're talking about his lordship. So I wanted to start with that to say the culture of his leadership and his lordship is freedom. And I wanted to paint a picture of that in our lives, but let me, let me go to Colossians. I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture because I think it's important. Colossians chapter one, let's start in verse 15. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. Again, Colossians Chapter one, verse 15, this is in the Passion Translation. It says, he is the divine portrait. This is talking about Jesus. I love the language here. This, as I read this, this is declaring who Jesus is. This is declaring his lordship. I read this and I get excited because I'm like, this is, this is who's Lord. This is the Lord of my life. It says, he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on earth, all that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. That verse right there, it says this, everything you see, everything you know, he's Lord. It was made for him. It was not made for you, it was made for him. Okay? You were not made for you, you were made for him. The gospel is not about you, it's actually about him. But we have been given place there because he loves us and he wants us. Amen? All right, let me keep going. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds completion in him. So where do we find completion? In him. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, meaning this, he was the first one to be resurrected from the dead. And the Bible actually says that his resurrection was your resurrection. How many of you in the room believe that he was resurrected? There are major implications to his resurrection that I believe that if we really believed he was resurrected, we would live differently. If we really knew that he was resurrected, that he, his death meant that he dealt with sin and his resurrection was our resurrection. A lot of us, we, we believe that he died and dealt with sin, but a lot of times we haven't attached our faith to the fact that he resurrected so that we actually resurrect to a new creation in him. A lot of times we're sitting saying he dealed with sin, so I know the forever cycle of sin in my life, he's gonna administer forgiveness to me, but some of you need to begin to tap into faith that he has resurrected, and because he resurrected, I once was this, but now I'm something else, and I'm moving towards likeness in him, meaning my greatest calling is to become like him. 
Amen? Y'all good this morning? I want you to receive this. I want the Lord, I believe the Lord is wanting to impart something to you, and I believe what it is is that he is wanting to give you hunger for him. He is everything. He is, we find completion in him. All right, let's keep going. Find my place. All right, he is the head of his body. Who's the body? We are. The correct answers would have been us. We are, I think I hold that one. You could have said me, we. Um, so he is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one. He's the most exalted one. Holding first place in everything. Don't you love that? He's first place in everything. I like getting first place myself. Um, when it doesn't happen, I'm like, ah, but I know Michael. We, anyways, we'll talk about that later. Sorry, guys, inside joke. Um, I got to tell you now, I feel like you're hanging. Okay. All right. Let, this is like a, commer this is like a um, commercial break for the sermon. So if you've seen me like walking around funny today, it's because I literally played volleyball all day yesterday. And, and I've come to this revelation. And there's some of you in the room that were a part of that. And um, we're all hurting together. And so it's like I've realized I'm at this age now where my mind is telling me you can do that. And then my body is in disagreement saying like, your mind is wrong. And, um, and so I'm literally hurting everywhere. Um, I think we might've played like five matches yesterday. It was from like 10 to four. And anyways, Travis, come on, Michael, the Johnson's back there. Anyways, we're all hurting. Austin played too. And she is, so she is hurting as well, but she did awesome. She was amazing, MVP for sure. And um, anyways, I was thinking about starting like a volleyball league in the church. Anybody in? I'm just going to be a bystander and cheer you guys on. And so, but I want, I want you guys to hurt like I've hurt, you know. I want you to be able to take part in that. Anyways, but we did get second place. And so, actually, let me clarify. It was for a booster club um, fundraiser. And so what we did was we actually lost our very first match and we were eliminated. But then we bought our way back in. And um, we made it to the final, so, um, you know, next year, next year. All right. Okay, the commercial break is over. Let's get back to the message. All right. So Jesus is first place in everything, right? For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ, and by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself. That's good news. Back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. So in Christ, you are actually brought back to God's original intent for your life, meaning that he made you in perfection. He called you to be his own, made in his image, and to carry the righteousness of God. And you are now a dwelling place for the Lord. So not only does Jesus reign and he reigns supreme in everything in first place, he has decided to make you his dwelling place. Okay? Let me say, you're, the highest calling of humanity is to be a dwelling place for the Lord. 
It is your highest calling. Your highest calling is not everything that you can do for the Lord. That is all good and it's great. But your highest calling is that you would be a dwelling place for him. That's why Jesus said, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things? And the things he lists are things like raising the dead and healing the sick. Things that we would probably, if we did, feel really good about ourselves. But he said this, I I was never intimately joined to you, meaning this, you never became a dwelling place for me. You missed your calling. I'm not trying to reduce how special it is to see people healed and reached and touched. I'm trying to say is that it's a secondary thing in the kingdom. His priority is that he would live in you. Why? It's because he doesn't want you to know anything apart from him. You were made to be intimately joined with him. You apart from him will never find completion. I believe the Lord in this hour, not just this hour that we're having church, but in this this time, this season, the Lord is wanting to lay a foundation in the church. He is the foundation. And if we're busy just doing, 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 and we are lit with, have one foot saying we're with him and another foot in the world perceiving the world, how the world perceives the world, we're gonna miss it. We have to be utterly, completely dependent upon him and found in him alone. That's why Peter said that we are like aliens. He said, you are like a people of a different, you are a people of a different kingdom. You are not supposed to see things the way everybody else sees things. Believers are not supposed to see life in the world the way that unbelievers see life in the world. It's just the truth. It doesn't mean that you're walking around and you've got to be weird. Jesus, I don't believe it came across weird to anybody. He was the most attractive thing ever. The only people that didn't like him were religious people. He was attractive to a world because he carried inside of it because he was a dwelling place. People who didn't know what it was, they were people who were, didn't know the Lord. They were saying there's something that's dwelling within him that speaks to my soul that says that is what is supposed to complete me. So your highest calling is that you would be a dwelling place for the Lord. All right. Goes on to say, even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. So, who reconnected you back? He did. I want to tell you everything that the Lord is wanting to do and saying today, it's because he's doing it. He's doing it. Okay? You just get to respond to him. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. Why did he do it? He wanted a dwelling place. He wanted you and him and him and you. And now there is nothing between you and the Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. He chose to see you as flawless, holy, and restored. So if you're wondering how he sees you, he sees you as holy. You might say, well, I don't think I'm holy, but he does because of Jesus. 
And then it says, if indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, that foundation is Jesus. Never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now is being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Christ is our message. We preach, why does he preach? To awaken hearts. That's what the Lord is doing even right now. He is awakening hearts. He is awakening hearts. It's why Christ is preached. When Christ is preached, hearts are awakened. And bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Jesus Christ. Carl, could you grab me a water? Thank you, dude. Um, so Jesus is the message. So let me, talk, we're talking about the Lordship of Jesus. And this is my, one of my concerns for the body today and especially young people is I believe that in today's world, um, let, let, me, let me just say this. Let me, let me read my, my, what I wrote down as my thoughts is I said, my concern for believers today, especially the younger generation, is that you are being led to believe that you have the right to form your own truth. Everyone believes they deserve to have their own voice and form their own truth. Here's the, here's the reality of it, is him as Lord, he is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. He is the truth. I don't want any other truth but him. I don't want any, I've said this before, but I don't want any other opinion than him, than he has. And I believe many times what we've done is we've said, here's Jesus, but then there's all this other stuff. And it's not, it's just him. He is, he completes everything. And I believe in my prayers that within the church that the fear of the Lord would be restored to where we have reverence for him as Lord, to where we walk in a way where we say, God, search every part of me, every thought, every opinion. Lord, you are Lord. You are Lord of my every thought. You are the Lord of my every opinion. I don't, I don't have the right to become offended because I have made you Lord. Unless it somehow offends you, Lord, I don't wanna be offended. What if we lived our lives like that, where he really was Lord, where before you went and formed a judgment of someone, you first sought the Lord and said, Lord, what's your heart? Before you beat yourself up over past mistakes, you said, Lord, I need you to be Lord of this. What's your opinion? How do you feel? Because you're Lord and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where you're Lord, the culture's freedom. If I make myself Lord of this situation and this opinion, then it's only gonna to lead to bondage in my life, right? 
But the good news is this, you can make him Lord. And where the spirit is made Lord, there's freedom. So he's not holding, dangling a carrot in front of you and saying, hey, I'm promising you this, but you're gonna spend your whole life chasing it and never get it. He's saying, just make me responsible. Make me responsible. You see, if there's someone in your life that you've made Lord of something, you know, we might not understand this as Americans, as the independent ones, the land of the free. But when they have, in many other places where there are lords, where there are people who are ruling over places, you understand they're responsible. They're, they're responsible for the economics. They're responsible for the well-being of the people that are under their care. And ultimately, while I might manage something that's theirs, they are responsible. Right? So wherever he's Lord, he's responsible. Now, he will ask you to manage some things in your life, but he's still Lord. It doesn't mean that you do nothing. It means that he says, I'm ultimately responsible and I'm gonna speak into that and I'll correct where I need to correct, but I, I will ask you to manage some things, right? So that's the kingdom, being part of God's family, but him as Lord, he is responsible. An easy, an easy um, picture would be your finances. He's not just Lord of your 10%, he's Lord of it all if you've given it to him. And he is much better being the responsible one than you. Now, he will ask you to manage and steward it, but it's all his, right? Your children are the Lord's if you've made him Lord of them. That means he's responsible. Now he'll ask you to manage and steward them well, but he's Lord if you've made him Lord. And that can go to every area of your life. And the moment though that we, in our hearts, make ourselves Lord of something, is I believe Jesus is like, okay, I'm not gonna force myself on you. And it might actually be good for you to try and lord over that for a while, just to see the fruit of it. So a good indicator that you haven't made him lord somewhere is if you're experiencing bondage and chaos in that area of your life. I've seen many people even, uh, I mean, you can, you can watch it all over the world when even people gain wealth in their own strength and they don't make the Lord responsible. And while it may benefit them in some ways, the, you've seen where great wealth will destroy people from the inside out, right? It's because wherever you're Lord, there isn't freedom, Right? Amen, y'all receiving today? So let me, let me, so let me, maybe I can paint a picture for you about like, I, I wanna give us something really, I'm not necessarily wanting to try and give you something practical. I'm wanting to give you something that awakens your spirit to who he is. And so you're like, well, what does that look like for him to be Lord, right? What does it look like? Um, I, I, I believe this, I believe it is a simply, the decision in your heart that the, the, you, David would say this, he'd say, search me, O Lord, search me. Some of you need to have a search me conversation with the Lord. Um, 
Let me, let me read this because I believe I, in just a moment in closing out, I'm going to read Philippians three because I believe that the Lord is wanting to release a Philippians three cry in the church. But let me, let me read this. this. This book is called The Apostolic Ministry. We have it in the cafe. I encourage you, get it, read it. It's awesome. I believe it's a word for the church today. I wanna read a little a couple paragraphs, but I'm, I'm gonna go backwards for a second. Um, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot. Give me a second. Y'all good? All right, here we are. All right, I first wanna read, he, he ends with this. It's Isaiah 66, one through two. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? God is starting off this and he's flexing a little bit saying, heaven is my throne. And he's saying, the earth that seems so big to you, it's my footstool. He's kind of like, hey, I'm Lord, right? See the Lordship. And then he sa- he's saying, where, where then is a house you could build for me? You can't build me a house. Heaven's my throne, all right? And where is that place that I may rest? He says, for my hand made all these things. Everything around you, everything you see, the Lord's saying, I made it all. Again, he's kind of flexing on us, like I made it all. He's like, this is, this is it. And he says, thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord, but... To this one, I will look to be his dwelling place. So the Lord's saying, I'm looking for this. This is what I'm looking for. He says, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. He said, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the humble heart that says, Lord, at your word, I submit. That's where, that's where God's saying, I wanna dwell. I wanna dwell in the person who isn't looking to Lord over their own life. Oh, I was going to keep reading. I'm closing the book. This is what he says. He says, starts off talking about evangelism. He says, true evangelism is not founded on a love for the lost as much as on a love for the Savior. It is not a man-centered message, but rather Christ-centered. When Jesus is lifted up, not our churches, not our doctrines, but Jesus, then all men will be drawn. To lift him up, we must keep our attention upon him. We cannot even let our love and concern for the lost eclipse our devotion to him or it will lead to a perversion of the gospel. It's not that the lost don't matter. They matter so much. But it won't be because we gave ourselves and we did this. It will be because he was lifted up and he drew all men to himself. True Christianity requires being born again by God's spirit. This rebirth initiates the restoration of our union with him, but it is the beginning. True Christianity is a journey to intimate fellowship with our Father through Jesus Christ. It was our fellowship with the Lord that was the most tragic loss of the fall. Talking about when Adam and Eve sinned. If there is any way that true spiritual maturity can be measured, if there is any way we can determine the degree to which true redemption has worked in our lives, it will be by how close we have become to him. 
as we draw close to him becoming his disciples, we begin to behold his glory, which changes us. Again, let us consider what is said in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So he's saying this, as you see him, you become like him. You become what you behold. It's why we worship. Okay? Um, Here we see it is not just seeing the glory that we need, but seeing his glory with an unveiled face. The veil is the flesh. When we are born again, we begin to see the kingdom of God because we are spiritually circumcised. The flesh must be cut away so we can see him. Even so, we do not change so we can fellowship with him, but we are changed by our fellowship with him. Let me say that again. We do not change so that we can fellowship with him but we are changed by our fellowship with him. The historian Will Durant observed, Caesar sought to change men by changing institutions. Jesus changed institutions by changing men. The gospel is not about building an institution, but building men. When the true wine of the true gospel is preached, it will burst out of the institutions that men build, like new wine will burst out of an old wineskin. The true gospel is a life too powerful to be contained in our pitiful little structures. This does not mean that the church should have, not have structure and order, but it must be one which is utterly flexible if it is to contain the true wine of the spirit. We must let the life produce the structure, not the other way around. The early church had community and met from house to house because they had life, not in order to get it. They became the force that they were because the church was not the pattern for the church life. Jesus was the pattern. They were not following a formula or a form, but a person. We, as the church, we don't do church so that we can have life. We do church because we have life. We shouldn't come... I don't believe we gather in church so that we can learn how to worship. We gather in church to worship and because there is worship in our hearts. Even though there is equipping here and there's all those things, I'm saying we are his people. All right. I Let me read Philippians 3. I know I'm doing a lot of reading, but... I want you to hear my heart and what I believe the Lord is doing. Y'all good today? All right. Just trying to prepare you for the Super Bowl. This is pregame. Hold on. All right, we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Verse 7, it says, yet all, this is Paul talking about pursuing the Lord. He said, yet all the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. 
To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. He's saying this, I just want to embrace him as Lord. That's it. I want him to Lord. I want him. My passion is to be consumed with him and not cling to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My only righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and become like him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. Can you hear the cry of his heart in this? Can you hear that he is saying, I don't want to know anything but him. For someone who, if according to all of his kinsmen, all the Hebrew people, they would have thought this guy has hit the pinnacle of what it means to be a Hebrew man and he has done it better than any of us. And Paul is saying, I don't care anymore. I don't, that can't define me. That's what I could do. All I want now is just to know what he thinks. And I want to, I want to know what it is to be lorded over by him because he's so good. And he's the only one that matters. Everything was made for him and by him and through him. And so anything that I have that I've tried to create outside of that is futile and useless. He's like, I just have to have him. He's got to be, Paul is saying this, he is my aim. He's my only aim. Everything else is peripheral to him. All right? And, and this is, Paul is not saying this is like a heavy thing. It's like, oh, he's, he's Lord and you know, it's just heavy. No, he's saying like, I have found freedom here. I have found real life here in making him Lord. I've found out what real joy is. I've found out what it is to walk in freedom and not depend on any other thing to complete me. While there are other things in my life, I'm not depending on them to define me or to make me who he's made me to be. I look to him alone. The creator, the one who, who knows, the one who knows you at your best and the one who knows you as complete. Nothing else will satisfy. Every opinion you have outside of his opinion will never satisfy. He goes on to say, I admit that I haven't yet required the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. He's saying, look, I don't have it all together yet. So if you're in here saying, well, I've just failed, Paul's saying, like, I don't have it all together. He said, but here's what I do. He said, I run with passion into his abundance. He's saying he's got it all so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make me his own. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. He is the victory prize. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. Here's a good indicator of maturity in the Lord is you have this passion. This passion, it means the more mature in him you become, the more singular focused you become. Just him. 
Well, don't you think maturity looks like you've got a a wide variety of, of things that you're an expert at? No, maturity looks like I've got this one thing. I've got this one passion. It's just to be with him. It's to know him. It's to not know anything outside of him. Meaning this is that I know things like he, like I, I see things how he sees things. And I choose not to see them if he, doesn't, if he hasn't shown me how he sees them. Meaning this is that the world today tells you you need to have an opinion and a side in all things. And for me, I, I don't think so. I think I only need to have what he gives me. And if he hasn't given it to me, I don't want it because it'll probably be heavy and it'll probably lead to fear and anxiety. It'll lead to bondage, I know it. I only want him to be Lord. Wherever he's Lord, that's what I want. Amen? It's a good life. I'm telling you, the Lord wants to simplify things for you. And it's not irresponsible. It's not. Responsibility. You are, you are only responsible to the one who is responsible for you. Yeah? If you make yourself If you make the world Lord, you're responsible to them, to the world. I'm not, and let me say this. I know that we, we, we live, the Bible says we live in the world, but we're not of it, right? There are responsibilities that we have. There are things, but you can make him Lord of those things. It's your choice. Um, But I, I just believe he's bringing us to this place is where we say, look, this one thing we do is we're, we're forgetting our, the stuff behind and we're moving forward to him. I'm looking at every new invitation that he puts in front of me to know him more and to be led by him. Man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that continually comes out of the mouth of God, this is where we live. As the body of Christ, this is where we live. Lord, what are you inviting me into today? And that's what I'm searching out. The mystery of the invitation, the mystery that you have before me to know you. Amen? Y'all good today? And, and here's the deal. I believe this is what the Lord does in you. So my prayer is that today, that what the Lord has had to say to us about his lordship and who he is, is that it would bring you to actually have to seek him out and say, Lord, what does this look like in my life? Amen? I'm gonna close with this. Abby, if you could come and play. So everybody thinks we're close to being done. There's three benefits. I'm gonna give you, there's lots of benefits, but I wanna give you three benefits of his lordship and then we'll be done. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, when he's the Lord, there's, an, there's identity and an inheritance. So the, what we say is, I make you Lord of all I am and all I'll ever be. Lord, you are, you are, I make you Lord of all I am and all I'll ever be. We get the mind of Christ. As we are with him, we get his thoughts and respond to life based on his value system and outlook. I don't have to be anything other than what my Lord has said I am. That should make you just go, I don't have to be anything other than what my Lord has said I am. And I'm not insignificant (laughs) because what he said I am, I'm his beloved. He loves me like he loves Jesus. 
That's who I am. I'm not a failure. I'm not a, not a mistake. I'm not a mess up. I'm his beloved. Why? It's because he's Lord and that's what he said. And I don't understand it. I don't understand how he could be so good, but he's responsible. And he said, I'm his beloved. So I just rest in that because he's Lord. I don't have to carry anything my Lord hasn't given me to carry. He didn't tell me to carry that, so I'm not picking it up. You can pick it up. I don't want to pick it up. He's Lord. Y'all getting the, the flow here. He's Lord. If you're unsure when there's something for you, I believe that the world and the enemy will offer you a lot of things to pick up. So if he's not Lord of your life, you might pick up a lot of things that are heavy and that are not meant for you. You don't have to agree with anything that the Lord doesn't agree with. The second thing you get from him as Lord is provision. I make you Lord of all I have and need. That's, that's, that's the making him Lord. I make you Lord of all I have and all I'll ever need. I'm not just talking about, I'm not saying you make him Lord and you all of a sudden obtain great wealth. I'm not preaching that message. I'm saying this, if you have great wealth, make it all the Lord's, make him Lord of it and learn to manage and steward it well, thanking him for what he's done in your life. If you don't have much, be grateful that you have the riches of heaven and that he supplies every need to you because he's Lord. So either way, neither one are bad as long as he's Lord, amen? But you always will have provision. He's always promised that he, has, he, is, he is a good father that knows what you need before you knew you needed it. So in his Lordship, every need is met. If you have a need, then he has already made provision because he is your provider. Number three, last thing. And under his lordship, you have security. I believe this is a big thing right now that the Lord is speaking, that he is our security. You know, we think of insecurity as people, as whenever we, we feel bad about ourselves or little of ourselves or unsure, but insecurity is any time that you have taken upon yourself what was never meant to be taken upon you and that you don't feel safe and that you don't feel like you're gonna be taken care of. He is your security. My security in all things comes from you alone, Lord. My position, my possessions, my performance do not dictate my security, only the Lord does. So the Lord is my security, not my position, not my possessions, and not my performance. Because I have made him Lord, he is responsible for my well-being. If I haven't made him Lord, then I'm responsible. He will give me things to manage, but he, um, he is the oversight. And here's another great thing. He is your security. You don't have to, prote you don't have to self-protect. You don't have to protect your reputation when he's Lord. You don't have to protect your, um, your identity because he is Lord. You don't have to protect. He's your security. 
I don't have to hide anything. I don't have to protect my reputation or my image. He is my security. I can pray and worship freely. I can be fully who he made me to be. I am in him and he is in me. He is my security. I've been hidden in him. He is Lord. Can we just say this? Tell him, Jesus, you are Lord. Teach me to make you Lord in every place. Let's stand this morning. This morning, I want us just to do this. Every place that has felt heavy, every place that's felt out of order in your life, I wanna give you the opportunity just to respond to him and say, I need you to be Lord. I need you to end this, give me identity. I need you to give me provision, Lord. I need your security. So wherever it is right now, Lord, we just come and say, be Lord. We make you Lord. Where the spirit is made Lord, there is freedom. Some of you today, you just need to come before him and make him Lord. There's that, I, I feel like there are things in your life that you know are dysfunctional because you have not made him Lord. And I believe there's an invitation today where he becomes your one thing, where he becomes your aim and he becomes the Lord, the one who is responsible, the one he wants to become your everything to where you have no problem making him Lord of anything in your life. So come on, even as we're just here in this moment, just you and him, you and him. I feel like today that there are, the truth is, is that Jesus is your healer. It's who he is. Some of you, you have made yourself Lord of your own health. And you've looked unto saying, I have to make myself better. And while the Lord will ask you things to manage, and to steward in your health, he is asking that you would make him Lord of your health. Some of you, you've asked for healing, but you haven't made him Lord of your healing. So today, Jesus, we say, you are Lord. You are Lord of all. Lord, search our hearts any place, any place where it's been us trying to just figure out, doing our own, where we've made ourselves Lord. We even just now, we repent and we say, come and be Lord. Come and lead us as a church, as your body, you are the head, you are the leader. Lord, this is your church, your body. So we love you, Jesus. We surrender to you, joyful surrender, because you're so good to surrender to how good it is whenever you're responsible, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.